T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It is now 8.07 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Gerilyn Steele. It is what I love to do is be here with you on a Sunday night. I'm excited about our next guest. It's a Chicano um, author, an advocate, a labor and tribal lawyer. And he wrote a powerful new book about surviving kidnapping and abuse to living a life of love and purpose. You remember about a decade ago, you heard so much about love and purpose. Purpose was that word that everyone was you know, thinking about trying to figure out how do you know what your purpose is and that sort of thing. Well, the name of the book is Antonio, We Know You, a memoir by Antonio Salazar Hobson. And he is joining us now to talk about the book. How are you, Antonio? Uh, I'm fine. Uh, thank you so much for this interview, Ms. Steele. Um, I greatly appreciate it. If you would allow me to introduce um, myself to, to your audience, probably in about two minutes, um, that would be great. Uh, as you said, my name is Antonio Salazar Hobson. I'm author of the memoir entitled Antonio, We Know You. Uh, it's important to note that the title of my book uh, was provided by Cesar Chavez, uh, who made a comment about my character as a young man. My parents are Jesus and Petra Salazar, who worked uh, the, national picking, the national food picking circuit for about 40 years. I'm the 11th of 14 migrant children. We landed in Phoenix in the first projects. The Salazars were, were befriended by John and Sarah Hobson. You'll notice my last name is, is Salazar Hobson. They were a white childless a neighbor who lived next door to our apartment. They groomed my family. I was kidnapped in front of my siblings, taken to California overnight, and sexually abused and trafficked for six years. Uh, I only survived because I wanted to return to the loving arms of my mother, Petra, who taught me to love, and I wanted my family back. It would be over 20 years of, of waiting to return to the Salazars when I found my mother, Petra, still alive, and my siblings. I've had many saviors, but the most important was Cesar Chavez. I met him when I was 15 as a farm worker student uh, at a large uh, union rally where we had a couple of hours to meet with, uh, with other students. I volunteered with him for a year. At age 16, Cesar took me aside and told me that, I, that he believed I had enough talent to become a labor lawyer. I took Cesar's dream, I made it my own, and I've never looked back. And I've been a union lawyer for 35 years and a tribal lawyer for 25. And with regard to my memoir, it's a, basically a book of, it's a story of, of great endurance and love. 
It's found in my family. It's written to be very hopeful, albeit with the early years of my life being horribly abused uh, by the Hobsons. I wrote the book for three reasons. First, to provide a legacy for my family, the Salazars, something which most families of colors uh, do not get to write. Uh, I wanted to provide an example of hope to abused and trafficked uh, children via my own example. Most importantly, that they could still protect their hearts and believe that they could still love as adults. And I also wanted to be uh, part of the voices of color sitting at the national table. There are almost none of us on the, on the discriminatory treatment of children of color in contrast to the efforts made to find white children. And I'd just like to end by saying uh, that uh, I'm so pleased that over the weekend, my editorial on the different standards for investigation in media for white abuse children in contrast to us was published through the USA Network today uh, over this weekend to their readership of 153 million people. And so this is the type of notoriety with your show, Ms. Steele, and with our national media that this reality of a double standard um, must be addressed and changed. And just as an example, when I was kidnapped, the Arizona police for two years made no effort to find me, none whatsoever. The Hobsons were never, were never uh, prosecuted. And, um, and of course, because they were white people, uh, they were protected. So I, I, ask, I ask the question, both now and in the editorial is, if I had been white, would I have been found? And that's the question of which there are tens and tens of, tens of thousands of children of color who, who are asking that question over generations. And so my goal is to both have written a very hopeful book with some tragedy in it, but also empower, empower our community of, of abused children, whether we're African-American, Asian Pacific Islanders, uh, indigenous peoples, uh, whatever, uh, whatever uh, nation, nationality we are, that we can finally not suffer these double, these double standards and finally get some attention and equal resources and equal police treatment and equal media, equal national media. And it's this national media that I'm doing with you and others that I think it's finally starting to break. So thank you so much for having me on your show, and I can ask, I can answer any questions you may have. You know, here's the thing. We know that sex trafficking is affecting all children, period, hands down, no matter yeah. what color they are. Um, I, yeah. There have been movies and books written about white children. I, you know, we could go way back with, you know, the young girl who survived um, being raped and often over and over again, just like you. Oh, my God. And, and she got out of it. She ran and she found a way out of it. Thank God. But not all children make it out. How do you see yourself today, knowing that you left behind others that needed to get out and you couldn't help them get out? Well, you, you know, one never forgets uh, one's childhood and one's lost childhood and one's lost family. And I feel deeply for every child that has ever gone through that same loss. And it does, it, it does entirely shape, um, you know, your life. And with regard to the tens of thousands of us not for the last two generations, for probably, you know, the last several hundred years where we have not been uh, looked out for. Uh, you know, it is, it is a national disgrace 
but there is a national answer. You know, stop with the double standards. Treat us as equals. Treat our children who are taken as equals and give us the same resources. And also, you know, national media, thank goodness you discovered this problem in the last two or three years. But we've been sitting here, you know, our audience, knowing that we've not been covered, that we've not been treated fairly. And if we can get that seat at the table to, to recover, uh, help those other children who have, you know, who have grown up since I was born and, 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 and current and future children, then we will start to do our job and start to bring some justice that has, you know, been long withheld from us. So, Antonio, what do you think they missed? I, I know that um, as an African-American woman, so many black children have been kidnapped. There have been, I remember in Atlanta many decades ago, those children that never surfaced and, and how many years we talked about, oh, my God, what happened to those boys? We hear about it and we know it's happening. Just like you said, those white children are the ones that are on the news with their pictures on the news. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the cities, um, metropolitan areas, in fact, have really been trying to change change that. I know here in the great state of Minnesota, you know, you have corporations that have been working hard to let people know this is how you identify sex trafficking. If you're on an airplane, what to look for. If you're on a bus, what to look for. If you're walking down the street, what to look for. We didn't have that 30 years ago. So today, as you know how things are today, how do you think we are doing overall when it comes to finding children or finding the situation that looks like it's sex trafficking and deal with it and call the authorities and say, I saw such and such down here at such and such driving such and such. Well, you know, I think these are important, you know, you know, recent societal recognitions, but without the enforcement arm to to pay attention and and to be obligated to pay the same level of attention, it's not going to go far. You know, as you know, Latino youth and African-American youth are heavily heavily overrepresented in child sex trafficking cases. For example, with regard to African-American, African-Americans in Washington state, 52% of all the child sex trafficking victims are black. All right. 84% of them are youth, are youth, uh, are youth victims, female. And the population is only 1.1% of the general population. How is it? That over, you know, that stunning uh, demographic contrast, it shows that we are overrepresented, that the stats exist to prove that, and we just haven't taken them as, as something which is, which is important. There are now new organizations, you know, uh, you know as of late, uh, be it the, the, the Missy and Shade movement in San Francisco, you know, who work to, to recover uh, lost children. Uh, particularly uh, ch- uh, children, uh, uh, you know, who are forced into, into prostitution, who are then just, you know, they are, they, they are labeled as that, not as, as child slaves, not as mere children. And, of course, you know, their lives are ruined. That's what happens to us without help. And so, uh, you know, I, I think, I mean, let's remember where the economic interests here are. There have been billions of dollars uh, in settlements by universities and faith communities over the fact that they have hidden and, and protected uh, child abusers. All right. And, and so that's been important momentum, but that's all been quite recent. 
just in the last few years, and particularly with, with the Epstein case and, of course, uh, the R. Kelly uh, uh, conviction. Uh, you know, it, it is, you know, we are finally getting some justice, uh, and, and uh, that's all we're asking for, equal treatment, equal justice. You were four years old when you were abducted, and and of course, yes, ma'am. Um, and and at four years old, I don't know if a child really understands what is happening. When did you really clearly understand that you were being abused? You must have been terrified. Well, I, you know, I was. I at the at the first moment that I was raped, uh, uh, I I returned to complete muteness, and I lost my voice for about a year and a half. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, it was very discouraging because uh, the the Hobsons began uh, their sexual torture of me before I was kidnapped, and I was unable to say anything. I couldn't explain it to my parents. I only spoke Spanish, and I had no words for this. Uh, and but I knew, I you know, I was taken to California overnight after you know after having been kidnapped in front of my brothers. And I was trafficked for seven years within white male populations. And so, you know, uh, uh, you know, at times, uh, you know, abandoned for three months at a time at pedophile ranches. These are the things which happen. I try in my book not to focus, you know, particularly on any grave, grave images of abuse. But I but 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 I try to, to show the full scope of depravity that that helpless children and you know you're helpless the moment it happens uh that and 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 you have no idea where to go and uh and so you know for me i was very trapped but i had one image my mother betra taught me how to love and i chose to follow that example and had she not given me that special attention I don't know where I would be today. And then I had saviors along the way. And then I had Cesar and, 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 and a person who gave me a dream and I followed that dream and I started to heal and I found my family. But I mean, and then I finally wrote the book uh, because I, I knew that someone needed to come out and say, this was me, this is us. And, and I feel like so, so many of us can be advocates ourselves now and i just hope to participate as a member of that of that advocacy uh team at the national debate uh, i want to make and, sure that uh, i am clear sir i have to ask you um the what happened to the family the couple that abducted you uh they uh i was with them uh for nine years or so no ten years um and um they uh, uh, they kept me in isolated environments for uh, you know virtually uh, you know every day of of that so you know I I wouldn't be found and uh, and nothing happened ever not a single policeman uh, approached um, and of course you know I was threatened that if, if I were to say anything that they would go to prison that day, I would be institutionalized that day, and I would never be able to find my family, and I would have lost them forever. That's were, you they... able to find, were you able to find love? Did you eventually oh, yes. fall in love, yes. have a family? Yes, yes, yes. I, I found great love. You know, I, I, I found the, 
the, the love of my life. I've, I've been with my wife uh, uh, for over 40 years in marriage. I have two wonderful children, Beto, who's 34, and Adelita, who's 31, uh, and uh, both very proud of their culture. And, uh, and, and now, of course, you know, know my story and know why I'm doing it. And my family supports me, not only my family here in San Francisco, but, but my Salazar family. Uh, and uh, because my family was shattered within 10 days of my abduction. You know, within 10 days, the boy who was in charge of me was sent to, to, to a reform school for nine years. He was age nine. You know, my sister was sent to an, a, a very difficult Catholic nunnery, uh, and and my mother was thrown out. And you know, along with the other, you know, eleven children, and and my father Zeus kept the three babies. And so the entire Salazar family life has been: where did he go? What happened to us? Why wasn't the same effort put in? Well, that's because we are poor, monolingual, and um, and um, obviously Mexican, and um, so it's um, uh, it's it's been very healing for everyone, uh, myself, and 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 the Salazar family has has read my book, and of course, you know, I deep, you know, other than this period of darkness, which was very, very substantial. I wrote my book starting with the word hope and ending with the word hope and also talking about faith. And, um, and, uh, and so, um, you know, I, I, my hope is that I, is that I accomplished that. It's been well reviewed. It's been fully translated in Spanish. Uh, and, um, and uh, you know our hope is to get get it published uh, in Spanish as well, but you know I want my own people, my own language minority, to know this story. I've given many Spanish interviews uh, on this as well. I have to um, close this uh, interview. Unfortunately, there's so much we could learn from you. And you have become a fierce legal advocate for large international unions and numerous Native American tribes and individual Indians, uh, including an Emmy-winning filmmaker, author, and professor. Now, your new book came out on April 22nd, I believe. And what do you hope people to glean from that book? What is the most important piece of that book? What I want them to glean is to walk away and say this is an example of perseverance of stamina of what a love of, of a mother can give a child and this is what happens when someone stays true to their own identity i never wanted to be white i only wanted to be mexican and i stayed with my people as much as i could and i stayed with my language but i i did not want another horrifically depressing book without hope. First of all, I'm not aware of any other book, and my publishers aren't either, that that have hit this topic, you know, both as, as, as a male, uh, you know, uh, Chicano child. And, uh, and I felt that that our, our culture needed to to recognize this, this silent atrocity. And, and I wanted the dominant culture to also recognize it. So, um, uh, 
I, you know, I'm my my best uh, uh, hope is that is that they see the pride in the survival, both in me, my family, our people, and and the fact that it takes all of us, including white allies, uh, mm-hmm. to solve this problem. My but, final question for you tonight, sir, is what are the two top warning signs? Oh, the two top warning signs is I, I believe if you, you know, I would say if you see any physical bruising on a child, if you, if you notice that the, uh, that the child has stopped talking or has, or has become depressed, uh, the, you know, is, is losing his or her mental health, there's a reason. And what is great now that wasn't in place, as you said before, you know, are, are some of the new safety things that, that school counselors are, you know, are, are now informed ab- about what to do. That, and so that's, that's what I would say. I appreciate you sharing this with us. And thank you so much for being brave. Thank you for being brave. You have set a standard. Thank you so much, sir. Okay, good bye-bye. Evening. Thank you again. All right. That was um, our guest tonight, Antonio. And of course, John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline has made it possible for him to be on with us tonight. We're going to take a break and we'll come back. Well, thank you all for joining us for this um, this last interview. It was difficult, I know, but we really do need to know what and how to recognize child abuse, right? So children, um, you they say that shows they'll show changes in behavior or or school performance. They have not received help or physical or medical problems brought to the parent's attention, um, that the child has learning problems or difficulty concentrating that cannot be attributed to specific physical or psychological causes, or the child is always watchful as though preparing for something bad to happen. The child lacks adult supervision, lacks adult supervision, is overly compliant, passive, or even withdrawn. The child comes to school or other activities early and stays late and does not want to go home. These are things that we can look for on a plane, a bus, on the street corners, um, walking in a park, when you see these children that have some of these um, recognizable symptoms, please, please, please um, say something. Find a way. And I know many of us will say, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. But if it was your child, would you get involved? All right. Enough said about that. Of course, the weather is going to come up next, and we have so much more to talk about, and I'm excited about that. Our next guest coming up is John Abram, professor at the University of St. Thomas School of Engineering. We're going to talk about electric vehicles. We'll be back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It is now 8.38 here at WCCO. Welcome back. My goodness, as you already know, we are still feeling the pain at the pump with gas prices at an all-time high in certain areas. Um, And here's the interesting thing. Some of the gas prices between Minneapolis and St. Paul, you go to some gas stations and it's down 20 cents. And then you'll go to the next community and it's right back up to where it was, 479. (laughs) It's just really strange to me. Well, as you sit and you pay attention to all of this, you may be wondering if, if now is the time to start considering an electric vehicle. University of St. Thomas School of Engineering professor Dr. John Abraham joins us now to talk about what we should know about electric vehicles. Welcome to WCCO, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure being on tonight. Thanks for inviting me. Electric vehicles, we've been talking about it for a long time. And what's interesting to me is that some of my friends that believed in it from the very beginning had their cars for maybe seven years, decided, you know what? I'm going to get something different and put some gas in the car. Have you been hearing more about that? No, I've actually been hearing the opposite. Um, What I've heard is uh, the people who have bought electric vehicles, uh, especially recently, are very um, impressed with them. I, in fact, bought my first electric vehicle two years ago, and uh, the performance is just unworldly. these, uh, These cars perform really, really well. And we don't have to worry about the price increase of gasoline. I know you mentioned that in the lead into the story, uh, and gas has been really expensive lately. But as I drive my electric car, um, I don't have to worry about uh, those prices at all. And so I think actually the trend is for more electric vehicles. And uh, I've actually heard very few people who've had second thoughts about e-vehicles. Um, there are some things that you need to think about carefully before you buy an e-vehicle. They're not right for everyone, and they're not right for every driving situation. But for in-town driving, man, they are a, a really sweet deal. In-town driving, I absolutely agree. However, there are some that are, you know, going an hour and a half to two hours, you know, taking their time to get to the Twin Cities for work. And I find it interesting, uh, the more questions I asked about the infrastructure um, for these electric cars, the more I'm convinced we don't have enough we don't have enough places to stop and get it. I mean, sometimes you pass Hy-Vee, I think they have about six to eight different um, parking spaces just for that. But it's six to eight. And, and if all of us had electric cars, we would definitely need more infrastructure. Do you agree? I do agree. And, and you know, people can charge up while they're out and about. And, you, you know, if you go shopping for an hour, you can charge for an hour. But what really you need to do is you need to be able to charge overnight. And so the, the current cars uh, get around 250, maybe 300 miles um, when they're fully charged. And you essentially need to have them stationed at a charging bank overnight. Now, what I do is I charge it overnight at my house. In fact, I plugged mine into my solar panel, so I'm literally driving on sunlight. 
But if you're someone who drives 200, 300 miles a day and don't have a quick charging station at home, that it's going to be a challenge for you. And the EV market really isn't geared toward you. The EV market is geared toward people, I'd say, who drive 100 miles or less a day and um, are, are able to get their car back to a charging station at least once a day, preferably overnight. So it, it really depends on personal usage. But for people who can live, um, uh, you, who, for people who drive under a scenario where charging works, it is really a dream come true. So we used to see electric vehicles on the lots along with those that take the guzzle, you know, the gas. And, um, yeah. you know, every time I would go into, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Volvo girl. I just, you know, love those cars. And I would go in to see if I could get a used car. And no one ever suggested an electric car to me. And I'm trying to figure out if it's because the dealerships do not want to deal with more of the electric cars. They don't make as much. Is that it? Well, um, in terms, do you mean uh, if you mean um, they're not making and selling as many electric vehicles as combustion cars? That's true. Right now, electric vehicles are about ten percent of the market. Mm-hmm. Sounds small, but it's really growing rapidly, and a number of companies are um, so excited about electric vehicles. Look, the, com- the, the the automotive companies know what the future is, and they all know that electric vehicles are the future, and they are all transitioning away from combustion cars toward electric cars. Now, why are they doing that? Because they can get better performance um, and they can, uh, they, they know that electric vehicles are going to be the future. So if you want to know where the trend is heading, uh, look at what the car companies are doing. Um, so the, the other thing about electric vehicles is that at least for some vehicles, the demand has been so high and the, there have been some supply chain slowdowns that we've seen throughout a, a number of industries right. that it can take a while to get your electric car. I was able to walk up to a lot, pick up my car and drive home that day. But other people have to order their cars ahead of time because of the long lead times and high demand. So you just want to be cautious and think about how you're going to purchase the car. But uh, every year, there's more and more electric cars out there, more and more offerings are getting better and better. And it's an inexorable trend toward the future where more people are going to be driving electric cars. And in fact, I, I expect that by the end of this decade, most new cars sold will be electric vehicles in the U.S. So how do you convince people of that then? Every, I, I keep talking to people about electric. I've even looked at them. My brother uh, took my mom on a vacation and they rented, um, what do they call it? Um, both, it has both gas and electric. So what are those called? Hybrids. Um, and he yep. really loved it. He loved it. It wasn't as much room in the car, but he really loved it. And so did my mom. So what are you hearing from those that are trying to figure it out? It's already difficult to buy a combust, um, a, a car with fuel. It's already difficult and because the prices are so crazy what about for the electric cars are the prices coming down slowly let me talk about that Um, prices absolutely are coming down but let me ask you a question how many miles are on your car or how how many miles do you think you'll drive your car before you get rid of it (laughs) i i would actually like this car to go up to three hundred and fifty thousand, and i'm at a hundred and fifteen now okay so 350,000 miles, about how many miles per gallon do you get? Oh, my gosh. 25? I, well, I let's say don't 25. Know. That's typical. I really don't know. And then how much? I, I bet it's around 25. How much do you think a gallon of gas on average costs? Maybe about four bucks? 
No, not on average. You mean here in the state of Minnesota or you mean beyond? How much do you pay for gas? Gallon. I paid four dollars just the other day. I paid four dollars and fifty nine cents. That's a twenty okay. cent drop, and I wish I okay. had filled up, <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> okay, so okay, so over three hundred fifty thousand miles in your car. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much money you'll just in gas? Do you know how much you you will pay in just gas? You're going to pay sixty four thousand dollars. And what sixty four thousand dollars? What's that? What in electricity? For an electric car, what would it cost? You know, it depends on your power source. So, for example, I have solar panels on my house, so I actually okay. drive for free. But if you do, if you are connected to a grid, you're going to pay less in electricity costs than you will pay in gas costs. Gas costs are a huge expenditure for people. And when you go electric, you get a, a far more efficient ride, so you save money. But you also save money in other ways. You don't have to go in and get oil changes. You don't have to have a lot of the service work that you would get with a combustion car. You have fuel moving parts. So there's savings in gas. There's savings in maintenance. And um, so, so there's a wide variety of reasons that go, people go electric. But if, if, you were to ask, if, if you were to ask me, how do I convince someone to try an electric car? The answer is get them to try one. Get them to give a, have a test drive. Get behind the wheels of one of these cars, give it a drive, see how you like it. Now, I, I'm a blue-collar kind of guy. I'm not a fancy-schmancy guy. So my, my um, electric car is the Chevy Bolt. It's a practical car that gets me where I want. It's got all the bells and whistles I could want. And for some people, a, a simple electric car like that is a great choice. Some people want to soup up and go to a Tesla. But what, and some people want to get these new pickup trucks. But whatever floats your boat, you can find it in the electric vehicle market, and you're going to see more offerings come online. They're going to be better and better every year, but already electric vehicles are outperforming traditional combustion cars. And my recommendation for anyone who's even considering an electric vehicle is go take a test drive. Find any dealer that offers electric vehicles, take a test drive and see what you think. It's going to be a mind-opening experience if you haven't done it before. And my suggestion is that we have more stations where people can plug in. If Over here in North Minneapolis, where I live, I haven't seen anything until you get into Robbinsdale, right? And I'm constantly looking, okay, does that little gas station or that big gas station have it? You know, I don't understand why we don't have more places where people can stop and get there um, to fill up, charge it up for this electric car. I don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question, and, and that infrastructure is coming online. It's coming online slow, uh, slower than we want. But if you can get a, a charger in your garage, and by the way, my charger, my ca- garage charger costs about $600. So I have a charging station in my garage, and I plug it in every night. I've actually never used a charging station at any other location than my house. The next most important place to have a charging station is at your place of work. And there are many people who uh, work at places where you drive to work, you can plug it in, charge it, and then drive home. But if you're, if you're driving 100 miles or less a day, you don't even need that. You just need to charge overnight. Uh, and you can do that from the comfort of your own home. So it is you, what you say is right. We do need more charging stations. We need, need it to be more convenient. But for people who are thinking of making the jump into the e-vehicle market, you only need two things. You need a charger in your garage for about $600, and then you need to buy the electric vehicle, and that's it. And 
And so it's no, that's not it. Volume. You also need no, no, that's not it. I think you would need a generator as well because when these storms roll in, let's just say we have some terrible thunderstorms, lightning is hitting, blah blah blah. Okay, if your electricity goes out, then your car starts stops pulling from the electricity. Am I correct? Yeah, you are right. If you know, yeah, that's a really good point you made. If we lose power um, and we have a power outage for a number of days in a row. You will have to find a place to generate your to recharge your car, um, and and fr- frankly, fortunately, that's a pretty rare event. I mean, I don't recall that happening in, in at least Minneapolis in the last number of years. But you're exactly you are right. If a storm comes in and knocks out power, you you will have to find alternative charging for those days. You're right about that. Fortunately, that that's pretty rare. Well, thank goodness it is rare. I think you should come over to my house and we should go for a drive. It'll be a lot of fun. We could maybe even do a little uh, 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 airing of a show uh, while we're driving. It's a, if you've ever gotten behind one of these uh, the steering wheels of one of these vehicles, you'll be really impressed by how convenient they are, how easy they are to operate, and how much fun they are. And it's, it's definitely the wave of the future. People are noticing them more on the roads. Uh, the infrastructure is, is slowly catching up, but... It is a viable uh, transportation source for a lot of people, and more people are jumping on the bandwagon every year. It's pretty exciting. I can imagine, and thank you so much for the offer. Of course, for me, I see these small electric cars. I'm looking for the big honkers to see how that's going to go and how is that? How much energy will they need. Well, I have to, <laughs> I'm so sorry I have to close down our, our um, interview, but Professor John Abraham, thank you so much for joining us. He's a professor at the University of St. Thomas School of Engineering, and I hope we can have you back again. It was a pleasure to be on. You have a great night. Thank you, sir. All right, we're going to take a break, everyone. We'll be right back. It is now 8.55 here at WCCO. As we get ready for Center Stage, which is coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, we look forward to uh, introducing you to some artists that you may not have heard of and and revisiting with some others, and I'm excited about that. Jonathan Lowe is our producer tonight, our in-studio producer, along with Craig Chauffeur as well as Chris Tubbs. Thanks to all three of them for making this show for from 7 to 11 p.m. to make it happen. Um, I do want to say coming up next, we've got a lot of great, a great guest. Some sound a little weird, but just stick with me. I think you're going to have a really good time. Um, also, as we were talking about these electric cars, I just need to ask you, Jonathan, would you ever buy one? I was thinking, I was trying to get into the market to buy one. Um, I uh, I knew my uh, older car was on kind of last legs. I had to replace the engine back in 2018. Ouch. And when I did that, I said, okay, it's, I, I, I have a timeline. I know I'm on a timeline. I know this car is on its right. last leg, so right. I've got to start saving up. And I was thinking of, okay, what cars am I, gonna, am I looking at? What car would I want to get? And I was looking into electrics. I was looking. I've, I wrote down prices. I wrote down, you know, I've, I've been to a couple different uh, sites on YouTube looking at efficiency and all that stuff. And it got to the point where I got, I started saving up some. I didn't save up near enough, but I started saving up a little bit. And unfortunately, by the time I was really thinking of really starting to ramp it up, the car died. So I had to get a new one at that time. And so I went ahead and got a newer Kia. And Kias are really popular, by the way. They, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing 
how you see when you buy a car, how you see that car everywhere because you bought it and you're like, oh, there's one, there's one, there's another one. <laughs> but no, I'm 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 thinking about electric with with my next one because it would be a great investment. And I'm so it, not thinking about it. I'm not well, thinking about it's, it at it's, all. It's a huge expense, but I think it would be worth it. I really do. There you go. That's Jonathan Lowe, our in-studio producer tonight and every Sunday night. Thank you so much for sticking and staying and giving your opinions, Jonathan. We are going to come back with Center Stage coming up next. All things arts and entertainment. We believe you ought to know about it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.